I played in Athens for a year. That was incredible. Would hop on a ferry on an off day, just like pick an island, take the ferry, go to a Greek island. Did you think your life was gonna be like that? No, like, never in a million years. I pinch myself that I'm still doing it. Like I'm about to turn 30 next week and I'm like, I can't believe I'm still living eight months out of the year in Europe and then coming home and playing more basketball and not having to work a nine to five and not, you know, it's just, I yeah, I feel so incredibly blessed and lucky. Welcome to the other three years, a show for anyone who has an Olympic sized dream they want to turn into a reality. Hi, and welcome to this week's episode of the other three years. It is a very exciting week because I have my old friend from when I was a kid, and now she's a professional basketball player, Blake Dietrich. And so Blake and I are from neighboring towns in Massachusetts, and we both went to the same basketball camp and then worked there as counselors. It's called Below the Rim. And I'm pretty sure we also played each other in AAU, but I'm also pretty sure that her team totally crushed my team. But anyways, Blake went on to be a total all-star playing basketball and lacrosse at Princeton, where she led the basketball team to an undefeated season her senior year and a second-round appearance in the NCAA tournament. Post-college, she's played in the WNBA and in many different countries around the world, but most recently she spent this past winter playing in France and her team won the Euro Cup and the French Championship, which is super cool and very impressive. Um, so she's currently on the USA three on three series team and right now is traveling playing tournaments with them around the world, which is so cool. And three on three is such a new, fun, exciting thing. And it's really cool that she's kind of been a part of that. Um, yeah. So it was a really fun conversation. Um, and our lives and paths have definitely followed somewhat of a parallel path over the years. And Blake shared a lot of what's kept her motivated over her career and what her biggest struggles and insecurities are, how she tackles those. Plus, she talked about kind of what her goals are in the sport and what she wants to achieve. And we also talked about how kind of amazing and awesome it is that female athletes are able to sustain longer careers in sports these days and how that's kind of inspired her. Um, and it's just a great conversation. I think everyone's going to love it. So, But before we share that, I wanted to give everyone an update on what's currently happening with my training. So I am in Princeton, New Jersey. And right now, the second selection camp for U.S. rowing is happening. We're in our third week of it. Um, but Sophia and I are just basically rowing the double. So we're not really a part of the selection camp. We're preparing for trials which will happen in two weeks and the women's double and a few other boats are trials boats this year so the winner of that trial will earn the opportunity to represent the U.S. Um, at the world championships later this summer so it's been fun we've just been training in the double and getting some singles rows in the afternoon but camp is always a little bit stressful because they're making cuts all the time. And even though we're not 
directly involved in that right now. That's still kind of the vibe that's in the air. So it definitely has been a little bit high stress, a little bit of a tense energy in the air, but at the same time, really exciting. People achieve goals and are kind of going really fast and, and getting more out of themselves, which is exciting to be around. So it's um, highs and lows, I'd say, but our boat's feeling good and it's been nice kind of just being back in the double a little bit. We train with the lightweight women's double. So do a lot of stuff side by side, which is fun. Um, and just trying to get better every day as we have big goals. And I think if you just focus on the day to day, that helps you achieve those more long-term goals. Um, this past weekend was the third world cup. So we got to watch that online early in the morning on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And there was some great racing there. It was really awesome. I was sad we weren't there. It was in Lucerne, Switzerland, which is just a beautiful place and always a bummer, you know, not to be racing, but you know, we're getting good practice here and hopefully we'll be back on the world stage soon enough. Um, I've also been watching a lot of the tour, Tour de France, uh, the cycling race. I think everybody knows that and a bit of Wimbledon. Um, so definitely a lot of inspiration from other sports. I watched a little bit of the U S track and field championships that were just happening. Really cool that it's so easy to watch all these sports right now. I mean, now I belong to like 18 different, uh, you know, Hulu and Peacock and whatever the heck you watch these things on, but it's really awesome to see all these different sports and that we can watch them so easily. And they're just so exciting. The tour has been so exciting. It's great timing because we get back from practice and they've been going for like an hour and a half, two hours. And then I just kind of put it on and get to watch all the exciting parts happen while I eat my breakfast and start my work for the day. That's been really fun and I just watched the Netflix series so I feel like I know which covered the tour last year but I feel like I know people a little bit better and it's been fun um so really cool I have so much respect for them it is just a slog and a marathon and they just show up every day and are so impressive it's really motivational and amazing and kind of the same thing with Wimbledon like any day could be your day and it doesn't matter if what you're ranked like you just have to go out and play and show up every day you know so I think there's I've had a lot of outward motivation from these other amazing sports and these amazing athletes from all around the world it's been really really fun I was really rooting for Cavendish in the tour I was like so sad when he fell and got out it's just such a bummer and every time I something like that happens to someone it just reminds me like you know you can't take anything for granted you never know what's going to happen you have to live each day to the fullest because especially in sports like anything can happen and you can end your career just as quickly as you started it so I think 
it really just motivates me to make the most of every opportunity I have and every day, every practice, every race, and just try to, you know, be the best version of myself and accomplish things I didn't think I could accomplish before. So that's basically it. We're just in Princeton right now. It's really hot. So I'm really sweaty. Not right now because I'm inside, but it's been a very sweaty time and just trying to refuel and rehydrate and not be out in the sun and the heat more than we need to. But it's, uh, it's been, it's been hot and I think it's just going to keep being hot. So we got a lot of weeks in Princeton <laughs> left to go this summer, but I think it's definitely been enjoyable and definitely a good atmosphere, good vibe around the team. So I think especially once selection kind of rounds up this week, people will be, obviously some people will be upset, but I think most of the people will be happy and, and people that are kind of sticking around will be happy and just have goals of, okay, now we're in boats and we want to keep getting faster and there's not so much, it's more of a team collective and not so much individual. So kind of everyone's on the same page and just wants to keep keep making their boats faster, keep making the team faster, pushing every day. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, yeah. So now it is time for my conversation with Blake. And yeah, I think everyone's going to love it. So fun. Let me know what you thought. Um, let me know if you have. Uh, yeah, let me know what you thought. <laughs> so exciting yeah. that you're here Blake I know I was trying to think of the last time that we probably saw each other I think it was high school Blake and I know each other because we are from towns next to each other mm -hmm. and we both played basketball growing up Blake was much better than me and she played basketball on a team with one of my like good friends from high school but then we also met at below the rim which was this basketball camp you did you go there as a camper too I think I did yeah I think I started as a camper and then Mr. Snotty yeah. <laughs> hired me to be a what were they called coaches in training CIT and then coaches counselors. in training yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah so we both worked at this basketball camp um which was hilarious it was so fun it was I had fun. a great time there yeah obviously you played basketball like growing mm -hmm. up um but you played lacrosse too yeah. right and probably other sports. yeah I ran cross country and then oh, sorry and then did you play lacrosse and basketball at Princeton yeah, yeah so sorry. um I played I played lacrosse for two years but the this the way it all happened was a little convoluted because my call my head coach for basketball was married to the assistant coach on the lacrosse team so initially my freshman year um, they, the ba basketball coach was like, nope, you can only play basketball. Like we have to focus on that for now. Um, and then I guess at home, her wife was like, let her play lacrosse, let her play lacrosse. <laughs> and so I got, I was allowed to play my sophomore and junior year. And then senior year I was preparing to play pro for basketball. So I didn't play again, but yeah, two years of lacrosse for basketball. I was, I did some research oh, on God. you, which was fun. <laughs> 
Um, <laughs> you had a very successful senior year. Yeah, at we did. Yeah, 30 and 0. Did you guys, did you have like a big, you know, your class was that, were you guys like gearing up for that or did it kind of happen by surprise? Yeah, I think it happened because. I don't know if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, no, totally. It happened because we lost the Ivy League championship the year before. 100%, without a doubt. Um, because we were in a, Princeton basketball was at a point where we, they had won, I think, four in a row or five in a row or something crazy. So the expectation every year was to be Ivy League champions. So when we did not do it that junior year, it was like the world was ending. But it ended up being the motivation that we needed. I know it's so dramatic, but it, in the moment it feels that way. You're so young and like, no, I get it. As well as your whole <laughs> life. And you think that, yeah, exactly. I know it's not like that now. And looking back, it's silly. But it did add that extra drive, that extra chip on our shoulder that we had something to prove that it was ours to, to lose and we had lost it. So then the next year, I think everybody, top to bottom, not even just the senior class, came back ready to recommit. And yeah, I think um, there's a funny, well, there's a funny story um, from that year. I think we would play like three games already in the season. So we're very early on in the year. And um my, I was looking at the, the rest of our schedule and I'm like, you know what? I think, I think we could run the table. So I go to my teammate, Annie Tarakjian and she's like Armenian background. So she has very dark hair. And I'm like, Hey, Annie, if we go undefeated this year, will you bleach your hair? And she like looked at me kind of funny. I was like, why are you saying that? And then she was like, yeah, sure. Cause we were three games in. And so we had 27 games left to go. Come April, come March Madness, we are undefeated. We're 30 and 0. And I'm like, Annie, time to pay up. And she did it. She went to the salon. She bleached her hair. We played our NCAA tournament game. She had white blonde hair. It was, oh my God, it was so funny. And actually, um, for our second round game, Rebecca Lobo, she's uh, one of the like NCAA announcers for basketball. She, we were playing Maryland, who was the first seed. And so if we upset them, she was going to dye a piece of her hair, like bleach blonde in like solidarity with us, um, in the studio. Unfortunately, we didn't end up winning the game, but, um, it was very, very funny. That's awesome. That's so fun. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's amazing though. I mean, I totally, I feel like I understand it was in college when things, I don't know when you failed or didn't achieve what people thought you were going to then it was like the biggest deal in the world like yeah oh just crazy but yeah um I feel like it did really like band people together definitely you know, we yeah I think there was just such thing yeah I think there was such a um a realization that what we wanted to achieve was so much bigger than each of our own like personal goals for basketball that the commitment to the team and the commitment to being a good teammate and like from all the X's and O's to like, it was just every single little thing became more dialed in like nutrition, not drinking, not going out during the season, like all of those kinds of things, like really, really got, got locked in and, and the non-basketball stuff too, which I'm sure, you know, like those things matter just as much, like everyone being a good teammate, everyone being happy to be there, nobody pouting about playing time or those types of things. Cause we had, we had two seniors who didn't play as much. There were two of us who did and two who didn't, but they led just as much 
from the bench and from the sideline as we did on the court. Like we, that season would not have happened without them just as much as the ones, the team, the people who are playing. Um, and I've come to realize that more and more as I've had more experience as a pro. Um, those people and good teammates and good people and those people who are always willing to do the extra work matter so much, not just the like, the quote unquote, like superstars. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like in rowing, it's similar, but different because we all like race, you know, like the people don't sit on the right. bench. There are, you know, different boats. Well, at least in college, high school and college rowing. Yeah. But it is true. And mm-hmm. I think I learned that a lot my senior year too. Like every seat's important. Every person's important. And mm-hmm. you're not like if the worst person on the team isn't pushing and isn't doing a good job, then the best person can't be their best. Like, yeah, it really yeah. is a full team effort. And I and that's mm-hmm. even true now, you know, on the national team. Like if we're not constantly I mean, obviously we want our boats to go fast, but like in practice, mm-hmm. we expect our teammates to be pushing just as hard, you know, so mm-hmm. that we can all build each other up and we can be ready for our big opportunities and like. I think not thinking that you're more important than anybody else is such an important lesson to learn. Yeah. And it's like now I'm sure this happens to you a lot too. Like I interact with so many kids that just graduate from college or, you know, are like Mm -hmm. these young, amazing kids. And it's like, they haven't, I can tell they haven't learned some of the like kind of hard lessons yet. And I'm like, uh, yeah, you will. Yeah, exactly. No, but you do have to learn it for yourself. I think it's so, it's so cliche, but I, I really do think you have to be in that situation before you, you fully learn it and you fully come to terms with it. Cause I, yeah, coming out of call, even myself coming out of college, like I had had that role as like a leader, starter, point scorer, whatever. And then going to the WNBA, like last kid on the bench probably wouldn't play like, 95% of our games would only go in if we were like up by 30 or down by 30. And so to totally have that swing is very humbling, but it also makes you find other ways, forces you to find other ways to, to add value. And so whether it's being a good teammate, getting extra shots up, rebounding for your teammate, like anything you can do to help, it still matters. So, yeah. Yeah. No, it definitely does. And I think it's hard to see that until you're like on the other side. Like if you didn't achieve something that you wanted to achieve, but you know, Mm -hmm. your teammates did or whatever, like I think it takes a little bit of time to sometimes see that and, and be able to think, okay, I did play a role in this and for sure, you know, every job is important, but yeah. uh, But yeah, so you said that your senior, oh, sorry. No, 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 go ahead, go ahead. I was just wondering, so you row in Oh, I was just going to sit. (laughs) I'm so sorry. I think there's like a tiny bit of delay. No, it's, I think it's my uh, Wi-Fi, stupid hotel Wi-Fi. Um, But uh, I will just pause after I speak. (laughs) I row in mostly singles or doubles. I spent a little time in a quad this year. Um, but now I'm back okay. in the double. So mostly two person okay. boats recently. Okay. And then do you, 
like going into Olympic prep, like as you are now, are you always with the same person or are they like mixing and matching you to see who's going to be the best like pair? So we all raced, we all race every year first in the single okay. and then it kind of gets moved through there, but we're not always with the same person. I am right now rowing with the same girl that I rode with last year. So okay. we've now we'll spend our second year together. Cool. Um, but it is a little bit different than like a lot of other countries, their partnerships have been together for super long time. Yeah. So it's a little bit different, but, um, in like small boat rowing, it's like spending time in the single is helpful for the mm -hmm. double. So it's not, it's not really that big of a deal. And as long as we have enough prep time mm -hmm. before like racing, mm -hmm. it's really okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, two boat, two person boats are funny. Like it's a very interesting relationship. Yeah. Um, I can imagine. Yeah. So you're not with the same person you rode with in Tokyo. No, she doesn't. She's retired. Okay. 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 Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I have so many so, questions for you like, too. Like you're, I just think it's so interesting <laughs> and I don't know a ton about rowing, but, um, sorry. So sorry if I'm asking too much about stuff. Everyone who's listening no, that's will, okay. will already know. <laughs> no, that's okay. Um, rowing is a weird sport. So it's, you know, it's, it is funny and people, it doesn't, I mean, maybe it's the same um, for other sports, but it is really interesting. Like, so this summer we're qualify the, like we'll go to our world championships and mm -hmm. then we'll qualify the literal like boats, like the double, oh. the single, but not the people. Um, oh. We won't be named like Knockwood, whatever, yeah. until right before the Olympics. Okay. Gotcha. 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 So it's a little weird. Yeah. That's crazy. Not that's weird, that's but stressful. I mean... Yeah, I just I it's the same with round three. They're like we have a pool of people. There'll be like twelve of us. And then um right, the team will qualify. USA as a country will qualify and then they'll they'll name the team in like it won't be like immediately before, but it'll be like February or March before July. Cause then we'll mm -hmm. have camps and stuff leading up to yeah. that. But yeah, it's crazy. I think it makes sense though, because kind of like what we're talking about, like you want the best people. I mean, you want to be in the best people, but you want the best people to go because you want your team's chance of doing well to be the highest. Yeah, exactly. So like, it's not, you know, if you just keep your head down and keep working and keep making, you know, your boats go fast, then it is what it is. So, yeah. You're doing your job. You're doing but, your job for your country. And however it turns out, yeah. yeah yeah i mean but it's like make say it, some I mean, make it easier kind of though <laughs> no no but like in the last olympic cycle i kind of like came out of nowhere and mm -hmm. if they had named the team like a year out i wouldn't have made the team so yeah like yeah you know you have to now I'm in a position where it's more like, okay, I want them to name it earlier, but you have to right, earn your right. seat arguably like every day. I'm sure it's the same. You have to earn your spot like every yeah. day. 
So I was gonna ask you about um, like making the decision to keep playing after college. Yeah, um, we had such a great senior year that I was my team was the reason I had any like interest from professional teams. Um, but once I realized that that was a possibility, it was kind of a no brainer because again, that like that was always the dream. I never realized I didn't never knew if it would be a reality, but once it it did once it became an option it was um an easy choice and the, so the first thing was the WNBA draft and i knew i wasn't going to get drafted but my like head coach really thought that there was a chance and so she wanted to have like a draft night party like and bring the team over to her house and everyone watch together and i was like we're not doing that like i know i'm not my name is not getting called like we're not doing this so i just went over to her house by myself um the draft happened, didn't get drafted, <laughs> but then the coach from DC called. And so I was signed as like a free agent, um, to go to training camp with them. So it didn't really matter that if I was drafted or not, um, it was all, it's all the same. Once you get to camp, you have to earn your spot. And so, um, I made it until the last day of camp and was cut on the last day. So then I went overseas, which is normal. Like you go, you play in the WA in the summer, you go overseas in the, in the rest of the year. You, and I went to Italy had a great year, got another shot at the league, played in Seattle, like made the team that time, got cut halfway through the summer. <laughs> and then I'm sorry, I've totally run with your question, but all that to say, like, it's, it's a grind. So then the next summer I, I played a full summer in the WNBA. So it just took time. It takes, takes a lot of effort and, and focus and commitment and dedication to your craft. Um, because every year there's new kids coming out of college, right? So the pool just gets bigger and bigger because there's not as many re people retiring as there are coming out. So yeah, it's tough. It's a, it's a, it's a grind for sure. Um, and the WNBA is small. Yeah. 144 spots. Right? Yep. Yep. And it's even less than that now because they've changed our collective bargaining agreement. So the high end of salaries are a little bit higher, which, and they didn't change the salary cap. So it now limits the amount of money that teams can, well, they just have less money to work with if they're going to be paying like max salaries to a few players. So what that does is it cuts out the, um, those middle players who was, that was me like two years ago. And the reason I'm not really in the league anymore, obviously skill level, amazing other players, all that stuff, but I hit, I hit the vet minimum salary and once you're making vet minimum it's a lot more to pay you than it is to pay a rookie so it makes more sense for those teams to pay their their all-stars as much as they can and then fill in those other spots with the rookie salary so that they can balance it out better um but then also the other option is to just carry an 11 person roster instead of 12 so then it's even less it's like 140 138 spots on a team instead of 144. So it's crazy. Yeah, it is it's a battle. It's like I'm very proud to say I've played <laughs> I've played in the league at all cuz it's it's so competitive. So Yeah, I mean that's amazing. It's like it's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um So did you in that time where you like, you know, got called, went to camp, like got cut. Did you consider not playing? Yeah. Um, it wasn't then, but it was the first weeks when I got to Italy. I was 
culture shocked. I was homesick. And I know I, I get that that feels a little silly to say because I'm, I was in Italy, right? Like I wasn't in Russia or like Turkey or some of the countries that are a little bit harder to live in. But I was in this tiny town. Nobody spoke English. Like it was, it was a tourist destination town. So in the winter months, there was nobody there. It's like very elderly population, like not a lot of kids, not a lot of young people. Um, and it was a challenge. It was a major challenge. And at that point I started studying for the GMAT. I was like, I'm done. I'm going to do one year and I'm out. I'm not playing anymore. Um, but then you get the next call and like Seattle calls and it's like, all right, one more chance, like one more shot. And then the call after that was to go to Australia. And I was like, when am I ever going to have this opportunity in my life? You know, so I go to Australia and then, you know, so it just like it, but I do, I I've thought about it many, many times over my career. Like, is this it? Am I playing so long that it's going to be challenging to get back into the the workforce? Like I'm going to be 30 starting a basic, um, entry level position. How is that going to be for my family? Like there's, there's so much to consider. Um, also at this point, like I've, gotten to a point where I'm, I'm very proud of what I earn as a basketball player. And so it is hard to imagine having to take all of those steps back, um, and start over and take an entry level salary when I've worked so hard to get to where I am in my career. But at some point that transition is going to happen. So there's always that give and take of, is it too early? Is it too late? Is it too early? Like, is now the time I don't want to set myself up for, for failure the rest of my working life. Um, Yeah. Yeah. It's really challenging. I'm sure it must be hard for you as well, especially when the Olympics is every four years. And like, I know that there's, there's much more downtime, not downtime, but like time between those peak competition moments, I guess. Yeah. I think it is and it isn't because I, like we have the ability to work as well. Well, necessity and ability Mm -hmm. um and so like I definitely had those concerns a couple of years ago Mm -hmm. and I want I don't want to start you know from zero so going into this like quad of training um for Paris I work and have more you know I don't work a full-time job I don't work Mm -hmm you know 40 hours a week or anything definitely not exactly what I expect to be doing post rowing but I Mm -hmm. feel more comfortable in that I won't be starting in an entry-level position yeah um and I think because we're not like we get a stipend but it is Mm -hmm. in no way enough to live off of so I think it's just a little bit different in terms of like I expect to make more money when I'm done rowing and in but I think in the way that like you know this rowing stuff like looks good on my resume Mm -hmm. the same is true for you you know like I don't think you exactly I mean you start lower but it's not like you haven't been learning things and growing in since you graduated from college it's just in a different avenue um yeah and I also think about it like I wouldn't want to work for a company that didn't respect and value my time in sports yeah for so sure. yeah that's huge. so yeah but it's definitely hard especially coming from an ivy league background yeah. like i'm sure the same was true for you i had never just done sports 
Mm-mm. I had always done sports and school. So that was yeah. a super hard transition for me. Yeah. Did you have, did you yeah. ever live overseas or have you always been um, based in the U.S. while you're training? No. Um, I've always been here. I did think about like the Oxford Cambridge mm-hmm. boat race is a really big deal and mm-hmm. people go and like get their MBA or whatever yeah. there and, yeah. and row. Um, so I did think about that, but I wasn't really planning on rowing past like 20, the 2020 Olympics and then mm-hmm. COVID and then like making the tea, everything kind of put, um, and now I'm like in 2024, I mean, like I, that would be a lot. Um, yeah. Yeah. But we don't really have like it's not the same. There's not like a league over there. I guess you could go and row with different teams mm-hmm. primarily in like England. Some people have gone over to Australia and New Zealand for like the sum, you know, winter summer thing, but mm-hmm. it's different. Yeah. So it but um, it sounds similar though. So you were like contemplating you're like, okay, twenty twenty after that I'll reassess, maybe I won't row anymore. But then you make the team and things are going really well. And so you keep going, right? So it seems like that's similar <laughs> with me. Like it was, I would always be almost ready to quit. And then another call, like a great opportunity would happen. And so then you just stay in and you keep going. And it's funny how it pulls you back in. And I, I think about like how I'm going to know when when the right time is because my, my body is still really healthy. And so for me, it's not going to be, I'm pretty sure again, like knock on wood, it's not going to be an injury (laughs) that's, that's going to be like, or my, Oh, I just can't like my knees can't go anymore. Like I'm pretty sturdy. So it's going to have to be a mental decision versus a physical one. But I think sometimes that can be more challenging because you have to decide not like my body's telling me this and I have to listen to it. You just have to choose. Um, yeah, it's hard. It's really hard. And I, yeah, at some point I think I am going to have to turn down. There's going to be that next good offer, right? That next good thing. And I'm just going to have to be willing to say no, but it's tough. It's tough. It's hard to think about. It's hard to imagine. Yeah. I mean, but I feel like that's such an happy problem like that you've created a life for yourself that you see as sustainable and I mean that's kind of like what spurred this whole podcast idea like how is you know a woman in sports life sustainable beyond just a couple of years like I feel like it's pretty recent that women are playing sports more than just a couple of years yeah and how you make your life full and lucrative and you know yeah enjoyable yeah for sure and i i'm it excites me to see more and more moms going back like having a baby and then continuing to play particularly right now the world cup team i think there's three three moms on the team and i'm like you guys are just inspirational and there's lots of moms in the in the WNBA as well and it's so impressive, but they, and also encouraging that they just, you know, they find a way it's not impossible. Um, they just make it work and they're able to be at the top of their game while having children and having a family and creating all that stuff. And I know that people say you can't have it all, but I think there's a way to find more balance than we used to think was possible. And that's, 100%. that's exciting. Yeah. It's, it's so impressive. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, do you want to talk a little bit about like 
what you're doing right now. I know you just won a big, you're playing in France, right? And you guys won a big. Uh, we finished second. Championship oh, well, my, my French team. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was playing professionally yes. um, in France and I was playing for Tony Parker's team. He's like, he played in the NBA for the San Antonio Spurs. He was just inducted into the Hall of Fame. Um, but he's a French citizen and is very big on French basketball in general, but the, particularly on the women's side, he owns both of the teams in Lyon, the men's team and the women's team. Um, so they had won the last time they had won the championship was 2018. So it had been a little while. Um, and we put, he put together this team of really talented European players and then a couple Americans. There's myself, um, Gabby Williams, who plays in the WNBA, Marine Johannes plays in the WNBA. Um, and yeah, we won the Euro Cup, which is a European tournament with all the best teams in Europe. And we won the French League as well. So we had the goal was the trifecta because there's a French Cup, the French League, and then the, the Euro Cup. We were two for three. So overall, can't complain. <laughs> it was a really great, really great season. Um, France was amazing. But then I went straight into three on three for USA basketball. So that's the next thing coming up. And that I'm in at the moment. But yeah. So the three on three, you were on the series team. What exactly does that mean? <laughs> yeah. Um, so it was an Olympic sport for the first time in Tokyo in 2020. USA won the gold medal. Um, but the way they picked that team was three on three is different from five on five basketball. I don't know how it relates to other Olympic sports, but the way your team qualifies or your nation qualifies is through earning points and you earn points by playing tournaments. You earn more points for winning in tournaments. Um, and then there's like three auto qualifiers solely based on points. And then there will be qualifying tournaments as well that will happen in like the Americas, Asia, Europe, Africa, um, and other teams will qualify that way. So what we're fighting for right now is one of those auto qualify bids. So we are playing in as many tournaments throughout the summer as we can, accumulating as many points for Team USA as we can, and hopefully we'll be in the top three um, to get that auto qualifier for Paris. But then the way the team is chosen is different. So you have to have, and then each player has individual point rankings as well. So from the top 10 in the USA in points, they have to choose two players for the team. It's only four, four roster spots. Two players for the team and two alternates have to be in your top 10. The other two, they can choose from anywhere. So those will probably be WNBA players who are unavailable to play the women's series, but are really, really talented. So they'll pull from that pool for the other two. So we're basically fighting. There's like six of us. There's the U24 team as well who are in the conversation. So it's a lot of people for very few spots. Um, but again, you're doing your best for your team, for your country to earn as many points as possible. Um, and I'm sure, you know, anytime you get to wear USA across your chest is like the biggest honor. Um, and regardless of the, of the stage, it matters and you feel, you feel like you're doing something important. So yeah, that did that make sense? It's, it's very different. It's very new. It's all very like, yeah, con confusing a little no, bit, but yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. So five on five is different. Just that like they, so they choose the team. I'm sorry. They choose whoever they want for the team. Like obviously USA has to qualify, but um, yeah, it's a different, different situation. Um, so how many like 
of those kind of tournaments are you guys playing in this summer? And like how often are they? Yeah. So we've played in two already. I think the goal is to get to like nine total. The final, so the women's series also has a final and that will be in Ulaanbaatar, Mongolia in the middle of September. Um, so the goal is oh. to be in the top eight teams throughout the summer and then make the final. And if you win the final, you earn a ton of points. So that's really important. Um, but yeah, trying to get to eight tournaments, I think, plus the final. Um, the ones coming up, I'm going to Kosovo tomorrow. I'm going to Pristina, Kosovo to play tomorrow. Um, the next one after that is Edmonton. And then, yeah, they're all over the world until until September. So, What's your favorite uh, place that you've gotten to go play? For three-on-three three or generally? Just like for in bas- general. For basketball? Um, I lived in Athens. Yeah, for basketball. Played- yeah, I played in Athens for a year. That was incredible. Um, would hop on a ferry on an off day, just like pick an island, take the ferry, go to a Greek island. The lifestyle was just so chill. It was incredible. <laughs> so definitely there. Did you yeah. think your life was going to be like that? No, like- never in a million years. And I, I pinch myself that I'm still doing it. Like I'm about to turn 30 next week and I'm like – I can't believe I'm still living eight months out of the year in Europe and then coming home and playing more basketball and not having to work a nine to five and not, you know, it's just, I, yeah, I feel so incredibly blessed and lucky, but people also correct me when I say that because it, I mean, there's luck involved. There really is like with injuries and like you getting an opportunity because someone else isn't available to all those types of things, but you know as well how much hard work it takes behind the scenes and how much dedication and drive it takes, especially when you have to be self-motivated. Cause if you're on a team, they're telling you what to do. But in those times when you're on your own, it's whether or not you're able to get yourself out the door. Right. And I don't know for me, sometimes it's, it's challenging. It's hard. And there are moments when I, I question why I'm doing it, but then, you know, you have those big moments and those exciting moments and it's all worth it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely. I feel like you've always been super motivated, though. <laughs> I mean, I think so. But I see other people, you know, I, I hate to compare, but you you see other people and you're like, dang, they are working just as hard as I am, if not harder. And it's motivating, but it's also like, you're never going to be the best, I guess, is what I've realized. Like, I will never be the best basketball player in the world. So the best I can be is the best version of myself. And whatever that means is what it is. And coming to terms with that can be hard. But, um, but yeah, there's some really hardworking people in every sport, in every, in every discipline, but it's impressive. It's impressive to see and motivational. And the the players now also speaking of like moms and the women who are playing until like 40 years old, (laughs) like Sue Bird and Diana Taurasi and those people, they are just the way they take care of their body, the professionals they are like, it is just, it's so impressive and so exciting that it's not just NBA players who are doing that now. Um, you love to see it. Just love how, how great, how well women's sports are doing right now. I know. It's so exciting. I feel yeah. like my whole Instagram feed is just like women, badass women athletes, yeah. like doing yeah. different things. <laughs> I'm like, Do you follow yeah, together? Yeah, yeah. Do you follow the yes. together? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I absolutely love their content. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Um, I follow like all of them and I feel like they just like, uh, I follow like together, like on her turf, I think uh-huh. it's called. Um, yeah. Like ESPNW, mm-hmm. whatever, like all of them, they just like reshare the same thing. So I'm like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, 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 yeah, yeah. Yeah. But it's great. I mean, I feel like it's just growing like all of these sports and, you know, it's awesome. Mm-hmm. So. Do you feel like rowing is growing um, at the same speed? Psh, no. Okay. <laughs> um, I mean, I don't really know. Rowing is a tough one. Like mm-hmm. the barriers to entry are pretty high. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do think that it's there are definitely more like college and high school teams than there were. Mm-hmm. But it's just kind of crazy because we live in a gigantic country. Like, right. The U.S. Yeah. is huge. And the number of people, of women that are, like, trying to row after college, like, trying to go to the Olympics, trying to be on the national team is just not that high. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, because it's a really tough – it's tough. It's a tough yeah. life. Yeah. Um, especially the way I think that rowing, like, D1 rowing in college is right now. Mm-hmm. Like, you're – it's going to be, like, kind of – not the rowing is downhill, but like the lifestyle is is hard. Yeah. Yeah. You go from being treated, you know, a certain way mm-hmm. if you're rowing at Michigan or Texas or whatever, even mm-hmm. an Ivy League school, and then you do a lot of stuff on your own. Yeah. So I yeah. think not that that's not true in other sports. I think it is, but it's a little different. Yeah, um, for sure. But I don't know if you read the boys in the boat. Or no? Mm-hmm. Yes, I did. I is. did. Yeah, yeah. So they're making a move where they made a movie mm-hmm. of it. Um, and it's going to be released on Christmas Day, I think. Um, oh like George Clooney is like the executive producer or whatever. But apparently it's going to like change the sport of rowing. Wow, that's exciting. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. That, so I mean, it was an amazing story. Absolutely incredible. So. Oh, yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Okay. Well, I have a few basketball trivia questions. Oh, no. (laughs) No, I think you'll know the answer to most of them. Okay. Um, Because I even knew the answer to some of them. Okay. Okay. Good. Good. um, Okay. So, where was the sport of basketball invented? Springfield, Massachusetts. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> yes. Hundred percent. Because that's where the uh, um, that's where the Hall of Fame been? is. Yes. Have you been mm-hmm. there? I have. There was a three on three tournament. They had three on three nationals there last year. So that's the last time I was there. It was really cool actually because they did it inside. Like they have a court indoors, and it was very fun. Yeah. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. I went there on like a field trip in school. <laughs> nice. Oh, really? I don't think we did that. <laughs> I don't think, yeah, no, we went to like, we did like Bunker Hill Monument and that kind of stuff, but we never made it out there. It's it's like not that close. It's quite a drive from Wellesley and no. Weston. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So some questions about the WNBA. Do oh you boy. know when the WNBA started? 
I'm going to be off by a little bit. It was like we had the 25th anniversary a couple of years ago. So if it was 27 years ago, 1998, seven, seven. Oh, yeah, there we go. <laughs> 1997. Um, so... Do you know which three teams still exist that existed that when it was first started? Oh, this is a good one. I was, you know, on the other day, I was just looking at like who had won all of the championships, the WNBA championships. So, but I know the Houston Comets won a lot of the first ones and they don't exist anymore. Um, I think LA, the LA team existed. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. The Mystics, Washington Mystics. No, that's wrong. Mm, no, dang it. Um, Connecticut, Connecticut Sun. No, close to Connecticut <laughs> though. Oh, New York, New York, New York. The Liberty. New okay, York. the Liberty, LA Liberty. Um. Oh my gosh, I don't know. I'm not sure. The Mercury. Oh, okay. All right, that makes sense. Ouch, that was a bad one. That's yeah. embarrassing. <laughs> no, no, you were you were good. You knew the first one. So, yeah. um, I also thought it was interesting. There have been eighteen WNBA teams, like over the course of history. Yeah, um, which I thought was kind of cool. All right, do you know who the first uh, women's basketball player to have a shoe named after her was? Um, I'm pretty sure it was Cheryl Swoops. It was. Nice. It was. Nice. I worked with her at Nike you know- for a little bit. Oh. Yeah. She's super cool. cool. Yeah. I'm sorry. Next question. Um, <laughs> no, no, no. Um, no. That was great. All right. There's just two more. Okay. okay. Do you know who was the first uh, female player inducted into the Hall of Fame? Ooh. I think my guess is going to be wrong, but Lisa Leslie? No, it was Cynthia Cooper. Oh, shoot. Yeah, I should have known that. Oh, that's bad. Sorry, Cynthia. That's, no, that's okay. <laughs> no. It's, no. <laughs> um, and then, uh, well, you already kind of answered one of these for us, but I was going to ask, do you know the first time... 5v5 and three on three women's basketball was in the Olympic program. Yeah. 2020. Tokyo. Yeah. And then cool. the, do you know 5v5? Oh, the first, oh, 5v5. Um, for women. Oh my gosh. Like the 1960s, 1968. I feel like I saw that date recently. So it was That's actually right. 76. Wow. Okay. Wow. Which, is when women's rowing was also first. So, oh my gosh, kind of interesting, very cool. Yeah, yeah. a little connection. Yeah. How did USA but do just in that? Olympics? Ridiculously recent. Yeah, yeah, crazy. Uh, I think the basketball team won. Nice, and the rowing squad. Yeah. Uh, I'd have to look. Okay, 
I don't know. There are a lot of rowing. There are a lot of different boats. So yeah. I'm sure they did well in some of them. Nice. Um, good job. I feel like you crushed that. Thanks. Thanks. That was, I'm glad I did a little uh, homework recently. <laughs> I was a little prepared. Um, cool. Well, I feel like we've been going for like an hour, but do you feel like there's Hi. anything I kind of didn't ask you about that you want to talk about? Hi, I did have a couple questions. I, yeah. Is that okay? Of course. So, uh, so first, I think this is just a clarifying question for both of you. Are so like, are you so? And I'm sorry that I don't understand completely. So I might not even say yeah. ask this question correctly. Um, so you are currently buying for a position in the three on three to go back to the Olympics or to go mm -hmm. to the Olympics, just like Christy yeah. is currently trying to get a position in the Olympics. So y'all could see each other in Paris. Yes, exactly. Okay. I think my chance, my chances are way, way slimmer than Christy's, but yes. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm just going to push for you both to have a big fun reunite, reunification in Paris together. Yeah. That um, would be so cool. Cause that would be so fun. Um, yeah. Awesome. Well, so you guys are in like very similar like past trajectories right now. So you're kind of yeah. in similar places, just different sports. And there's a lot of different rules for every single sport, which, yeah. wow, I am learning so much. Um, <laughs> another question I had, and I don't, this is one of those things where I'm like, maybe we don't talk about money, but like as an outsider who is, I'm not really, like I didn't, I guess I just don't completely understand the pro sports world for women. Mm -hmm. So like you are given a salary to play professional basketball in France. Yes. And Christy, you are given a stipend because they don't have salaries for rowers, professional rowers. Yes. Okay. But we I'm technically not a professional elite, athlete. You're an yeah. elite rower. So yeah. there's a difference. So, okay. Right. And I also, I have a stipend. I do get a stipend from USA Basketball. But it is nothing. Like, I'm sure Chrissy can relate. It's like next to nothing. And I, I signed up for the insurance and stuff. And the like life insurance policy for Olympic athletes is $10,000. Mm -hmm. I was like, what mm -hmm. is this? This isn't even enough for, you know, like it wouldn't cover no expenses. So I'm just like, U.S. Olympic Committee, help us out a little more. But anyway. <laughs> yeah, the insurance is not very good also. <laughs> Luckily, I have double. My my fiance is in the military, so I'm covered with him too. But yeah, it's like. So when you were talking, so it makes total sense, like the max salary for the, like, versus the, um, what did you, like a, the newbie? Like rookie. The rookie. Rookie scale. Salary, rookie yeah. scale. Mm -hmm. So can, would you mind sharing, like, what is a max salary? Like, yeah, I, for sure. I was just trying to Google it um, because I don't know the exact number, but I'm pretty sure it's like yeah. 250,000 for okay. max. And then the rookies I think are making around like 60,000. Okay. So it is, it's enough to live on certainly yeah. even at the rookie level, because also in the WNBA you're provided with housing and a car. And um, oh. when you're on the road, your meals are covered. You get like $80 a day and um, for meals per diem and per diem. Um, yeah. So it's, it's doable. Um, but it does, it changes the structure of a team when you have like, say you have four people at max salary, your salary cap limits, you being able to take that vet, those vet minimum people who make around like 85 to hundred K it's much easier to fill your team then with the rookies versus those like middle of the road people. 
I feel like after having a Ted Lasso binge last night, I kind of get it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, Well, and they like, they've been changing, they've been fighting to change it, right? Like that, that, because it used to be a lot less. And so basically players like had to play overseas also. Exactly. Um, Okay. Yeah. So these changes in the CBA were, were the first step. So the first step was to get your core players, your superstars to stay home and not go overseas. So what that did is take away the ability for those middle players to stay. But hopefully eventually like salaries will continue to increase opportunities in the U S will continue to increase. And actually, um, Brianna Stewart and Nafisa Collier, who are two WNBA players have just announced that they're going to start a league in the off season and it's going to include five on five three on three and one on one. So it's like a little bit of a different um, model. Yeah. And hopefully will be interesting to fans. So therefore lucrative. And is it just another way to get players to stay in the U S and not go overseas? Awesome. Yeah. Um, Okay. One more question. Yeah. Do you have a quote that you think of when you're having a hard day? Hmm. I've been working on like mantras. This sounds kind of silly, but I feel like sometimes at the, at this level, you have to play mind games with yourself to, to get through tough stuff. And if you're having, going in, going through a slump, you can, um, try and get yourself out of it. So the mantra I was using at the end of the season, this might be totally embarrassing. So, but I'm willing to share it. Um, <laughs> it was like, um, I am capable. I can do it now watch me and I don't know if that that sounds sounds so weird like saying it out loud but um that was something and then something really simple my when I was in high school my coach's grandmother would come to games and she was like the absolutely most adorable woman and she one time said to my dad like Blake is everywhere and she does everything and he like laminated it and made it into like a little bookmark for me so that was just my reminder to like play for Grandma Lisa and be everywhere and do everything um, for her. So yeah, those were like my two. <laughs> um, I really like it. <laughs> Thanks. You're yeah, welcome. I, like it too. Yeah. Um, I feel like the- I can attest that she she was everywhere and did everything. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. Christine. I can't emphasize. Like Blake was like the best basketball player that I like interacted with in high school. Um, she was so much better than like everyone else. Like, I mean, we did not where we're from is not like a basketball hotbed by any means. Um, she was like so much better than everyone else. Yeah. Aw. Thank you. Um. Yeah. I, I, it makes me wonder, Blake, did you by chance, have you listened to the episode of Christy and her mom? <laughs> I haven't. I haven't. I need to. I definitely need to. I see the clips. I listen to the clips. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was going to say my mom told this story of when I started playing basketball. Um, and they put me on like the A team because I was so tall and she called the coach and was like, you've made a mistake. She's like horrible at basketball. Like, <laughs> oh my gosh. That's awesome. I need to go back. I'll go back and listen. 
Well, it was so sweet, though, because she was funny. like, I thought he was setting you up to fail, and I wasn't about that. <laughs> Um, which I love. Like, that's such, like, a, you know, powerful mama mom. bear. Yeah, mama yeah. bear statement. So, yeah. Um, Cute. I felt like we could absolutely have just talked about moms. Um, I think that's it. Those are the, my questions for you. This was, yeah. like, very ear opening for me. And I love the <laughs> entire conversation about women creating sustainable lives for themselves in sports. Because why the yeah. fuck aren't we having that conversation? Yeah. Um, sure. Yeah. So I got a lot of value out of that. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. No, Blake, thank you so much. I'm sorry about the technical difficulties. Don't be sorry. I feel like it's my computer's a little old too. She's she's struggling. You know, the fan is like <laughs> whirring. So I'm very sorry about that too. <laughs> but thank you so much for having me. I'm so grateful. This was so much fun. And fingers crossed, see you in Paris. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'll keep being a fan. Cool. <laughs> awesome. Thank you guys so much. I'd love to hear from you. So send us a topic suggestion, or if you'd like to submit a question for our Ask Christy Anything segment, head to our website, theother3years.com. <laughs>